so much to do. Okay, uh, would somebody like to open us in prayer instead of me doing it? Emerson, I know you'd like to. Father God, thank you for getting us here this morning. Thank you for a beautiful day and displaying your majesty for uh, your church, the body of Christ. And uh, thank you for allowing us to gather and learn and grow, be transformed in the image of Christ. Bless our time today. And uh, Lord, uh, pray for the worship time now. And that, uh, again, at the end of the day, we uh, give glory to Thank you. Okay, so the sermon. Let's start, let's start with the sermon. What were some of the key takeaways you had from the sermon, suffering a biblical perspective? And I think the sermon, I'll just say, again, the purpose of it, it really sets a nice foundation for this whole concept of this class is we're going to get crushed. We're going to have trials of all kinds. How do we do it God's way? How do we not waste it? How, how are we able to turn into him and grow spiritually in the midst of it? So um, this sermon, I thought, did a really good job of that, but I'm interested what you all took away from it. So don't be shy. Just start. You missed it. Thank you so much for the stacks. And congratulations on, yeah. Diane, that's a great point. I just want to say on top of that, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down, but um, actually the culture is totally unhelpful in that area. And, you know, we, we, we love the world. And so, I mean, we, we love to live, and, you know, the world is imploding in some ways, but I'm not being negative, but they, they've got it wrong. That we, we have, you know, the eyes of our heart have been opened, and we've got a different approach to that totally. So I'm glad you said that. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But that's a great one. How about somebody else? Kathy, I know you have something. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I the sermon? The sermon. <laughs> I don't know what the sermon is you're talking about. Uh, the one that you, you, you listened to it twice. Which one? The, the one. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you, the reason the reason she said that. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, yes, Gary. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Good point. Somebody else. James Passage talks about testing with two faiths. Yes. Our faith is never tested. We don't ever exercise it. We don't have need to exercise faith. When everything's going great, we're just, you know, we're just happy-go-lucky, except, you know, when do we appropriate God? Yeah, that's that's a we're that's a really big. You guys have hit two really big ones. You gold stars. Um, you're saved for another week for snacks. Um, but it really provides you said an opportunity suffering to grow in our faith. We don't want to do it that way. But your point is excellent. Thank you. 
Anybody else? I mean, I've got tons of stuff here, but I'm, I'm well, you all. Alistair Beggs, this is just an incredible uh, sermon. It's from 1 Peter 4, 12 and 19, and he goes through 10 points. Mm -hmm. and we've touched on a couple of them right now, but it's just how rich suffering really is. But, I mean, I'll just start with number one, uh, no pain, no gain, and suffering produces perseverance. And that's what we all want. That's one of the things that uh, our faith, that if we're in Christ, we know we're in Christ, if we persevere <coughs> through uh, in our faith, then one way that God uses is suffering. And I think that's a very important Definitely. Thing. Yeah. Right. No, all, excellent. All nine others were also. Yeah, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll touch on them. But no, you're right. It's, it's, it's uh, perseverance in a trial. We got two ways to go, turn in or turn away. Anybody else? Another thing he pointed Maybe. out was yes, you know, um, the world makes us think we should be happy. Yes. You know, God wants you happy. And that's, well, I have a lot of Christian friends who are wrapped up in that. And whenever we've gone through trials, they're like, no, in Jesus' name, he doesn't want you there. And I'm like, right. you're missing the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> we're, not, we're not a prosperity right. gospel church. No. I mean, no, you know, that is a great point. Um, I'm involved in another ministry, the Grief Share, you know, and, and uh, so is Brother Mike here. Um, what's, you know what's really interesting about trials, and, and they teach about that in this class, is that other people are uncomfortable. So they want us to be back to the way we were to get over this so that they can be comfortable. It's not, it's not about them, but that is so common in our trials. And... Uh, I'm glad you said that. There, there are many things about it, but um, nobody likes, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They don't know counseling 101. Be quiet, sit there, and listen, and show your love by just being there. We don't have to fix people, you know, all that. So that, I'm glad you brought that one up. Uh, Mamie, you had something? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you get credit. Let me make a note here. So, so just a just a couple of things. I mean, you know. So he he. We talked about this last week. There's so many different ways we suffer emotionally, physically, psychologically, financially. I think Michelle said relationally. Um, that's a huge one. And as has already been pointed out, and I'm actually going to look at this. First Peter. And, and today, like sometimes I'm going to have you read, and sometimes uh, I'm just going to say, make, write this verse down so that you can look at it later. But it, I never really picked this up. In First Peter, as Alistair said, <laughs> really the whole book is about suffering. And I was looking in my, my uh, intro here, the purpose under vital is to offer encouragement to suffering Christians, you know, Peter, the author, God through Peter. And uh, the key verse, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And in the summary, you know, just the entire, all the chapters, you know, it starts by, they're getting crushed, they're overwhelmed, they're devastated, they're torn, the waves are coming in, they're being persecuted for their faith. Um, and, you know, again, talking about the many forms of suffering, physical abuse, debilitating disease, economic problems, broke relational, natural disasters, social ostracism, uh, uh, whatever, um, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I commend, as he said, Read the whole book of 1 Peter and read it with suffering in mind. And, and I think he shared this, and I'm just going to read these to you to, to make note of. In, in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. If you don't have that one down, make a note of that. Chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 3, 13, 14, and 17. And chapter 4, as Bryn said, you know, 12 to 19. And so when we're, when we're in suffering, should we try and chase it away and stuff it? Is that a good approach for it? Very, very common approach. Definitely not helpful. 
Or also, I think as he pointed out, it's not an illusion. I mean, we're getting crushed. It, it's real. Uh, somebody read, this is one we will read. These are powerful. From Romans 8. Somebody read Romans 8, 17 and 18, please. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Thank you. So what, what does that mean to anybody? What, what are we to take away? I know there are a lot of things, but just one or two things from those two verses. And I'll tease you a little bit. On 18, does it just kind of rankle you a little bit? What, what are you saying in 18? Meaning when you're getting crushed, his wording is, they're not worth comparing, you know, or somewhere, where is it, 2 Corinthians 4, light and momentary sufferings. What is God telling us? when he's talking about the sufferings of this present time, why are they light and momentary? In light of what? Eternal glory. To the glory of God. Yes. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And what the lady was talking about there was tears of this world, you know, and the false teachings that people can get found under. Right here, uh, he's talking about being needing the author and finisher of our faith. Yes. So we're not we're not bound to choked out by the cares of this world, but we're gonna be drawn up and who cares for us and loves us perfectly. We just gotta hold that. Exactly. That, that that last point especially, that in light of eternity, trillions and trillions, you know, well there is no time. I mean it's 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 eternity. Whatever we're going through, even if we suffer right all the way until he brings us home or comes back again, we have to have that perspective. It's very helpful. Even though it's so hard, we, I would say one of the biggest things, and I said this last week, I think the word perspective is one of the most critical things we want to, we're trying to learn his perspective, a biblical perspective, a perspective for when we're getting crushed, which we're all going to be, have been, will be, are, it's, it's, it's having a healthy approach, his approach and using it instead of wasting it to draw closer. That perspective, if we learn nothing else together, we should be saying, okay, so then how do we do that? But that, that's critical, so thank you for that. Um, I think it was a, a great point that you made, Diane, about the world, world saying we're to triumph in suffering. He said, be victorious, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean. I know with my best friend years ago, I was, you know, I was saved, but immature. And he was, I had never come across depression or anything. And he was struggling. I'm just, just like, just get going. You know, what's wrong? Not, help, not helpful, which we talked about years later. Um, but the world is, 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 is saying the whole thing. He said, big boys don't cry. That, that, was, that was what you were talking about. Big boys don't cry. So the implication is, and this is the, the thing that he tied together, good Christians, real Christians, shouldn't hurt. Or if they hurt, just a little bit. Because if, you know, again, that's prosperity. That's true false teaching. It's a lie from the pit. And uh, so the world's advice is all of us suffer and hurt at some point, but just, you know, move on. Um, I liked when he referred to pain as an intrusion, an intrusion into uh, our lives. And as I think somebody said last week, you know, Genesis 3, the garden, you know, that, where, it all, where it all began. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the way it, it, it's set up. And then the 10 points that Bren referred to, the first one being, and, and just make notice, we're not going to, well, we won't read James the, those verses in James 1. But I do think it would be good. Could somebody read Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18 in, in terms of perseverance? Yeah. 
Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. And just to set the stage, you know, he'd been complaining to God in, in the first two chapters and talk about crushing. Wait till you hear what's going on there and his response. Uh, chapter 3, 17 and 18, yes. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So they've lost everything. They, they have no food, they have nothing. There's, there's, everything is failing. And, and we'll get into this when we get into lament, you know, down some weeks. After all that, there's, there's always a transition word, but in this case, it's yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. They're getting completely crushed, but, but reminded of God, the God who removed them from 400 years of oppression from the Egyptians and so forth. So uh, I think that's a powerful example of what we're talking about regarding perseverance and perspective. So point number two was bringing us to maturity. And uh, there's a, you know, James 1.4. We won't read that one now. But maybe we should read Hebrews 5.8. Could someone read Hebrews 5.8? Talking about bringing us to maturity. And I'm going to ask you what you think that really means. You want me to read it? Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. I mean, isn't that why we're here? So that's, we're talking about Jesus, <laughs> the Lord of the universe. And uh, so we don't want to stay baby Christians on milk, right? We want to grow. We want solid food. And, you know, just, just like in business, this is the same in business. If you're not growing, you're stagnating. You're, you're going the wrong way. Isn't that true in our Christian life? Yeah, what, what happens if we kind of set the Lord over to the side? What do we feel like? What, what's actually happening? Has he gone anywhere? But what happens to that pipeline? I like to think, I'm sorry? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we ha I think of it, for me, it's helpful. You've got this direct pipeline to the master. And my sin clogs it up. He's always there. But when we, when we step away, we lose the power. We lose our secret weapon. His spirit and his word, which is, gives us life. So we're not growing. But I love this, Christ's obedience on full display, you know, in his suffering, which we talked about last week. Um, and, you know, I, you might have already had this from one of the others, but if I didn't give you this one, 1 Peter 2.21, uh, we won't read it. Assurance of our sonship was the third point. And uh, I'm going to cut through a lot of the other stuff, but I will just say that when we are suffering and we reach out to him, we turn in, <coughs> he joins us in the pit. And that process obviously reveals we're his. We're his children. And we, again, with perspective, when we're doing our quiet time in the morning, we have to be reminded he loves us so much and he desires his best. We're going to get into that today. He's waiting. We have choice. We have free will. He's waiting for us to, to, to turn to him through his living and active word in prayer to light us up, the rivers of living water flowing into us and through us. So we are his children. The promise is there. We have the mark of the Spirit to know it and the power of the Spirit to have him illuminate God's word so that we can go forward. To prove the genuine nature of our faith. So um, how about Abraham in Genesis with Isaac? I mean, that's a whole, that's the ultimate test. Um, and I think, Alistair said, we Christians want the hall of fame without the pain, the glory without the suffering. 
you know, we'd like to kind of avoid all the tough parts, right? And, and so I think the key point of that was suffering and how we do it, I think Emerson touched on this, absolutely proves the genuine nature of our faith, doesn't it? I mean, when we're really getting nailed, our faith is not only being tested, but it, it, we're seeing what we have. Kathy? Right now, this isn't fair, whatever. But if you keep try to keep that eternal perspective of who God is, who we are, and He does things for our good. And exactly. When you look back, like you say, you do see the value in those things. Yeah, that that's that's really good. Well, I'm glad you brought back Abraham again. Just think of it this way: everybody, just enter into this for a second. I think another big part of suffering is, and we're going to cover this all through the weeks. It's not how we feel. It, we, we have feelings, and that's fine. But we're, we're trusting God for his promises, for the truth, not, not what we understand and what we can see and feel. So think about Abraham. God says to Abraham, through you, I'm going to multiply people all over the place. So you have that in your mind. We're humans. So I'm going to be, it's through my seed and so forth. And now he's telling him to kill. Now, as, as I had never known until years ago, I forget where it is in Corinthians. I guess Abraham was thinking, he, his faith was so strong that God would resurrect. I never knew that before. But the point is, we don't always in our, our fragile little feeble minds understand everything that's happening and why. Abraham believed and God credited his faith as righteousness, but he trusted God in spite of everything he knew and understood. How could we do that? Emerson. I memorized this verse many years ago. It's Romans 4.20. It's talking of Abraham. It said, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Mm. you got to make a choice in suffering. You can go with God, or you can be angry and reject God and think he's not with you. But, you know, that example of Abraham, that he did not waver through unbelief. And, and I think that's something we can pray for and ask for. And God blesses us with that. You, you know, I love what you said there. We have to make a choice. We have to be intentional. You know, and I... I'm looking at my friends in the back there who have kids the same age. But it'd be like children as they're growing up. you got to know what you're going to do with drugs and alcohol and sex before you get into that position. Because if you don't, it's it's not going to be good. What you just said, we we have to determine that we believe he is who he is, the God of the Bible, all those things. Independent of our circumstances. That's your point. It's a choice. It's volitional. There's an intentionality, and we have to make that commitment. And if we don't, we're going to lose because when we get into those circumstances, it's going to be overwhelming. That's your point. I think that's that's a really good point. Scott? Jimmy, it seems like the common theme of the last few comments, and even some verses that you're looking at, is obedience. Is that even in the suffering, as long as you're Abraham, as long as we're obedient to what God wants us to do, He doesn't want sacrifice as much as He wants obedience. Mm-hmm. That'll keep us on the right path during the times that you're we're struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ was the ultimate in obedient to death on the cross, and you can't be any more. So then, that's our that's our example. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Yeah, thank you for that. Tammy, wait, husband, wife comments. It's just, it's just, 
just like Diane and Emerson here. Alistair said in his sermon, too, which I thought was really important, he said suffering in and of itself does not lead a believer into a deeper relationship with God. It doesn't automatically happen. That's where the obedience comes in. He says some are trained by it, where others get consumed with the suffering and get angry about it. So it really is our posture and having a heart of obedience to follow God. That's really good. The, the couples here are teaching the class now between the two. You said because you just went to one of the key points, which we'll talk about several times, that ties into his intentionality. And that, that whole thing is, are we automatically? It's, just, it's like this. So just as if I never sinned, we're justified, boom, that's it, one time. He did it all. But sanctification isn't that way, right? It's daily lifting a waste. Now, he, we just learned from Pastor Rich last week. He gives us the Spirit, so we have Him in us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in each one of the believers, and the, He illuminates the Word. But we, we have to turn to Him if we want to grow. And your point is, and you know, one of the trick questions is, what, do we have a role if God is so amazing and loves us so much and so forth in our suffering? And your answer is yes. We have to turn to him no matter how we feel, obeying his truth and so forth. Just like you know, anybody that, that says, I'm going to be sanctified by just sitting on my hands. You know, it doesn't work that way. So, no, great point. Um, Can I add something? Yes. Right. Knife or whatever he had. God gave him what he needed and yeah. then he walked in it. Yes. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't make the right choices and we struggle with our suffering or whatever. God allows that too. Yes. Because in that battle we have, you know, we see battles with God in Scripture. You know, sometimes he allows that. So I think as believers, we arm ourselves with truth. We know his word as best we can. We study and prepare, but also know God is faithful. Yes. I'll, I'll never forget the day our son was diagnosed with cancer. God picked us up and carried us. Mm. We didn't go, hmm, right. let's believe God on this one. That wasn't in the yes. God picked us mm. up, and he does that. But sometimes he allows us, you know, more pain or whatever. Yes. But I think we need to keep that in mind. He is sovereign. He has given us faith, and he will get us to the end. Mm -hmm. He's faithful. Mm -hmm. And so that's a part of this. It's not just, I'm going to make the choice, and I'm going to do it, and that person yes. make the choice. You know what I mean? Yes. You've got to include the sovereignty of God and his faithfulness. Excellent point. So. Mike, are you going to say something? Yeah, you're, you're probably tired of me going to this scripture, but I'm going to go to it anyway so fitting to what we're talking about. In 2 Corinthians, uh, first chapter, at third verse on to the seventh verse, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we have abundantly, we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are, com if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, mm. which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshakable, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. That's not the prosperity gospel. No. no. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And, you know, another thing that uh, you said, Diane, uh, <clears throat> suffering is not a linear process. It, we, we learn in grief share, it's a tangled ball of twine. It's, it's not linear. And people are trying to help you along that linear path. And, and, and this class, as you touch on, Diane, we... You know, what does it say in Romans? He knows the groanings of our hearts. He's there. We're going to talk about all of his desires for us. 
there's, it's a messy thing. It's awful. It's tough. But, but he's, he's got us. But sometimes we have to wait a lot. And we're going to talk about some examples here in a little bit where sometimes he might light up a miracle with health. Sometimes he chooses not to. He chooses to be glorified by the way somebody suffers, not saving them. You know, we don't know all that. Kathy? So Excellent point. Yes. Thank you. Humility. He talked about that, about how, you know, he brought the experience of suffering in Paul's life, but brought about genuine humility. Um, I, I like this part of pending death or serious health crises make the things of the world lose their value and interest. I think that is a huge point. It brings us to our senses because when you get that diagnosis, you get that phone call, you get the news, you're in a terrible accident, whatever it is, it's so interesting. Houses, cars, clothes, jewelry, all that stuff. It's like, what is it? I mean, we, none of that's eternal. And so again, the word perspective and that's one of the things about suffering, just like I love so much, and I shared this last week, we'll talk about this later, but in the midst of my suffering, he was working on other sin areas. It had nothing to do with what I was going through. I think that this is the same thing. Our perspective is so critical. He wants to keep us on track. Um, you know, Psalm 119 67, you can write that one down. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You know, we get lit up. Sometimes we learn. Sometimes we run. When everything is calm and easy, we tend to wander. Affliction provides the opportunity to keep us closer, grow closer to the master. Affliction provides the opportunity, and we don't want to waste it. He talked about deepening our insight into the heart of God. You know, in Philippians 3.10, um, you can make a note of that one. But this ties into we want to know Christ and his suffering. We want to become like him, right? Pastor Alex, what did I say? See if you remember. What did Pastor Alex say that was so invasive and annoying and um, convicting? November 26th sermon and suffering. What did I say, share last week? What, what, what question did he ask us? Becoming like Christ enough. Yes, yes. Is becoming like Christ enough for you, for me? So we're getting crushed. And, you know, all this stuff is whatever. But he's fashioning us. He's, 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 he's putting us through the fires to refine us. But we have to, you know, is that enough? Or do we have to have everything else with it? Um, we talked about helping others in trials. Thank you, Mike. It, I think this, this, the last two, it reveals what we really love. What do we really love? And uh, just mark down Luke 14, 26 and John 12, 25. Um, but God talks in Luke 14, 26. He hates being a lesser love. We must love God, number one, more than anything else, right? What, 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 what are the things called that we love that are not God that we place above him? Exactly. And we all have them. So suffering provides an opportunity to work on our idol worship and get our, our priorities straight. And, I, and I, it, we, you know, Pastor Rich has been teaching this now for, for months and months. But we've, I, 
I, I'm in quiet time all the time, and I have to be reminded that the, that the Spirit lives in me. <laughs> and His Word, He's illuminating for, for me to know more about Him, His perfection, more my sin, so that I can be truly humble without trying to be humble, because that, that gap is so awful when I look at all the sin He knows and so forth. And, and so just keeping, keeping that hymn number one, not as a, a rah-rah statement, it's like if he's not anything in the way, that's when I said earlier, it's clogging my pipeline. Anything that's not, anything that's in the way of him, it takes, I don't get the full power because of my sins blocking that. And the other thing he said in here, the culture says you've got to love yourself first. Again, that, the, the culture is wrong. And then finally, he talked about displaying God's glory, the opportunity, the way somebody might suffer well uh, is one way. How about, how about the blind man in John 9 that we've talked about before? They're drilling him. His parents are throwing him under the bus. He's like, all I know is I was blind and now I can see. So get off me. <laughs> you know, that, that was, I think, so powerful. And then, of course, you know, God's glory display with Joseph and, uh, you know, the, the, the famous, those chapters 45 to 50, but everybody knows Genesis 50, 20, what you intended for evil, God intended it for good. Joseph suffering for 13 years. No, you know, how could you understand that? What has he done wrong? And uh, God was glorified. Not only did he take care of all, all the food, you know, for so many, but uh, God got the glory. Suffering's not an optional extra. It's, what did he say? It's part of the package. No suffering is pointless. And I, I referred to this last week. Piper said in his book, don't waste your cancer. Don't waste your suffering. It's a tremendous opportunity. The value, this is a good one. The value of suffering does not lie in the pain of it, but what the sufferer does with it. It, it, and this is a quote from this book. Uh, oh, no, this is from Mary Craig. It is in sorrow that we discover the things which really matter. It is in sorrow that we discover the power of Jesus Christ. So that's it. Good. Thank you. How about uh, the one from Chalice? We'll move quickly through this. I want him back, but not the old me back. Somebody tell me what the whole punchline of that was. It's, it's actually a very powerful story. Anybody? Should I tell you? Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is a guy. He's a blogger. He's, he's, he's been a pastor and so forth. Some of you may follow him, Tim Challies. His son at seminary keels over from a heart attack at 20. T terrible. The whole point of this, this really, really good um, blog is that he would like his son to be back here on earth, but he doesn't want the old him to be back because of how much he's grown closer to the Lord through this horrible, horrible tragedy. So he's been blessed mightily by growing closer to the master, and he doesn't want to lose that back. And he just talks about how we have such a complex relationship to suffering. We don't want to experience it. God uses experiences to accomplish significant and meaningful things with us if we allow him. His graces do not pass around trials and tests, but through them. God works through our hardest times, losing all these things, having these troubles. In some ways, he says, my greatest gains have flowed from my greatest loss, my greatest joys from my deepest sorrow. And so we live with this tension. This is several of you referred to the tension. To become who we want, we often have to endure what we hate. Oh, how about that one? To become who we want, we often have to endure what we hate. So many more things on that, but we'll, 
skip it. Okay, lastly, just very quickly, did anyone read the Spurgeon? Does anyone love Charles Spurgeon like I do? I mean, yes. oh man, he's amazing. Do you know Spurgeon? He would, when he was preaching, there'd be thousands. He had 500 people in the basement of his church praying during his preaching. And apparently he had a supernatural voice, which they don't have recorded. That, I mean, he's amazing. Why do I face trials? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, I'll, I'll just two, two or three things. He, he says, there are some of your graces that would never be discovered if it were not for your trials. Faith, how does he write like this? Faith never looks as good in summer as it does in winter. But it gets better. Afflictions are often the black foils in which God sets the jewels of his children's graces to make them shine brighter. For how can you know that you have faith until your faith is exercised? How can we know that we have faith till our faith is exercised? Again, we're not asking for trouble. God often sends us trials so that our graces may be discovered and we may be convinced of their existence. Real growth in grace is the result of sanctified trials. Finally, almost finally, God takes away our comforts and our privileges in order to make us better Christians. He trains his soldiers, not in the tents of ease and luxury, but by turning them out and subjecting them to forced marches and hard service. So there's more there, but that, isn't that, does that kind of cut right to the heart? Okay, so let's go to the, uh, the handout, the agenda for today. Let's review what we're trying to accomplish. That was just all a warm-up. Okay, so thank you for your participation. Please keep it up. Um, so what we want to do at the highest level for this week and in general for the class is we want to determine and show uh, each other that Scripture says that God is sovereign over everything, that he is good, and that he desires his best for us. So I had to learn years ago, not my best for me, his best for us. So that's what we want to get to in this class because the whole art of suffering God's way biblically is believing the truth of scripture and his promises relative to his character. And remember what we said about character? Can maybe somebody say, somebody explain, what, is it, what does his character have to do with circumstances and vice versa? What do we want to be careful to never do that the culture will do with God's character and circumstances? God's character, he is who he is, independent of circumstances. So when your friend comes up and says, how could a good God ever let this happen? We know from the garden what happened with the rebellion and the brokenness and the disease and the sin. God is who he is. His character is never impugned. He's perfect, holy. All his attributes are intact, independent of our circumstances. But what's the, what's the good news about our circumstances? What does he promise to do regarding our circumstances? What? Right. Join us. Join us in the pit and, and, and not waste it. So that's what we want to do today. So just ask yourself this question. Do you really believe God is sovereign over everything? I mean, he either directs or allows everything in the universe. And if you want your mind to be blown sometime, try and think about his providence. So before time began, he knew I was going mean, to, I can't even do that. So do we believe he's sovereign? Do we believe he's good? And do we believe that he desires his best? So remember we talked about well, hold it. Suffering is hard and painful, usually awful. The way we approach our suffering tells us a lot about our relationship with the master. Tells us a lot about it. Our perspective is critical. So we're going to talk about that belief system again. What did we say last week about our belief system? Our belief system, spiritual belief system, determines how we are going to suffer. 
Do we believe he is who he is? If we do, then we can trust him even when we can't see what's happening, the results and so forth. So we're going to take, we're going to take a few minutes. You can see under the he is, is just, just took a few of his attributes relative to what we need to understand about who he is. And there are endless verses we could have, but everybody's going to have to participate here. So um, I'm just going to ask you, to, we'll, we'll start with his sovereignty. Somebody will read, just, just raise your hands. Somebody will read Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Ben? Ephesians 1, 9 to 11. Ben? John 16.33, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Don? Okay. Genesis 1, 1, when you're ready, I know you know it by heart. But In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ephesians? Nine, one, 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 nine, one, 1, 9 to 11. <clears throat> he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. Thank you. So, so in his sovereignty, he, uni he unites all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. He's sovereign. And finally, John 16, 33. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Overcome the world. I like that. Okay, he's good. Somebody, Psalm, Psalm 86, 5. Tammy? Psalm 86, 5. Scott, Philippians 1, 6. How about 1 Timothy 4, 4? Jerry, thank you. Psalm 136, 1. Hannah? And Hebrews 12, 10. I can read that one. Okay, so we're talking about, is, is he good? Um, 86, 5. Philippians 1.6. Be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 4.4. 4. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Hmm. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Psalm 136.1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Hebrews 12, 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. Caring, just, you have the verses there, right? I, on, I put those on your outline. You have them. Okay. He is caring. We're not going to do those now. Always with us. Um, we're not going to do those now, but please look them up. He loves us and desires his best for us. We are going to do those. So how about somebody, one of our all-time favorites, John 3, 16. Somebody? Stephen? John 3, 16. Uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Probably know by heart. Excellent, Marilyn. Philippians 2.13. Nick? Revelation 21.3 and 4. Okay. Um, tell me your name. You, you just told me that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. John 3.16. I mean, for what, what that tells us, and we know from learning for, for years and years, I mean, if he loves us that much to come to earth 
to, to live perfectly, to, to die, to be resurrected, to conquer sin and death. Doesn't that help us a great deal to believe that he has his best in mind for us? Why would he ever do that? Um, Romans 8, 28 and 29, Don, or who had the, oh, Marilyn. And we know that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So he wants to, he's telling us, he wants to make us like himself. He, he, he wants to give us his best to make us more Christ-like. Um, Philippians 2.13, one of my favorites. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Right, read that one again. That, that's a... For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Right, thank you. And the last, Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Thank you, Shannon. So no matter how bad it is, when, when he brings us home, it's going to be unreal. So again, our belief system determines how we're going to suffer. So... Uh, just one, let me ask this question. Is it enough to understand and believe, or is there another step that we would have to take? What is wisdom? Wisdom is understanding and then what? Yes. With discernment, applying what we've learned. So we have to complete the equation. So we'll talk a little bit about um, just applying a biblical perspective, this, this perspective we're talking about. And again, a heart and mind understanding about what God says in Scripture about trials is crucial to that proper perspective we keep talking about. We want that right thinking. When we do, in our suffering, if, if, we are, if our mind is right about, we don't know what's happening, we're being crushed, I hate this, help me, where are you? That makes us like a little child, like Matthew, waiting to hear what our Father says, to receive his power, his truth, his gift, more of him. So when things are going great, or when we think we've got it wired, are we listening to him? No, we, we, we don't need him. We're, we're cooking along. We don't, well, there's no room. We're not allowing him in. And you know, the whole thing with suffering is, when we're getting crushed, is, you know, the way I look at it, it's so bad in our humanness, we can't possibly do it. We have to have the master. We need his word. We need to cry out to him in prayer. And we have a hope. And I don't know if I have that on your, yours is a little different than mine. I've got more words on mine. But biblical hope, and I got this from my ESV study notes, biblical hope, and we're talking as the consequence and expression of our faith, that in that context, not the culture, what they would have, Diane. This is now we're going to go with us. It's not wishful thinking, but an absolute confidence in God's promises for the future based on his faithfulness of the past. Think about that again. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It is an absolute confidence in God's promises for the future based on his faithfulness in the past. And that's why you'll see the psalmist, but I'm getting crushed. Where are you? What are you doing? But you're the God that, you know, freed us from oppression from the Egyptians, you know, and so forth. All the things, think in your life, all the blessings uh, amidst some of the challenges. So this Dan Allender wrote a book, The Healing Path, and he talks about some of the, the ways the culture and even we Christians suffer, which we don't want to do. And uh, he, he talks about the fact that usually people are trying to avoid the pain in reality, move through it quickly, but none of us is going to escape the trials. And he, said, he's, he says, basically, few people really turn to God and allow him to really shape their character. They're either trying to sweep the trials under the rug 
stuff them or just give in to the pain with cynicism. I love this term. But God invites us in our suffering on a healing journey, on a healing journey through the valleys, but too often we miss out on this redemptive path because we're in our own power, we're self-absorbed, we're not taking advantage of, of him. Evil means suffering for our destruction, but God means it for good. We know the Genesis 22. So actually, this is a good one. We know Genesis 50, 20. Somebody read John 10, 10, when we're talking about how, how God means it for good. John 10, 10, you're all familiar with it. I came that they may have life and have it to the full abundantly. I mean, that's God saying that. Um, thank you, Tammy. I love this one. Pay cl close attention to, just to get it. Healing in this life is not the resolution of our past. It is the use of our past to draw us into a deeper relationship with God and his purposes for our life now and going forward. As Christ followers, we are to consider the path of suffering a sacred journey, a sacred journey, meaning, you know, we get to become more like him if we turn to him, as we've been talking about, a sacred journey. Um, I was going to read this. I'm going to have to skip that. That was good stuff. But often our bottom line hope and assumption is that our pain should be relieved with prayer and action. If it isn't relieved quickly, we believe we must do something, be doing something wrong. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, let's just be honest. Did, can anybody share anything on that? So we, we're saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm going through the steps. I'm praying. I'm getting nothing. I'm dying here. Did, Marilyn. Yes. I like that. Good, very good analogy. Right. Well, and you know, just to follow up on that, you know, we'll—I we'll, don't remember if it's today or somewhere—but suffering provides the opportunity to, to, like you said, either harden our heart or or get the benefits, heal us, either either heal us or harden our heart. Thank you for that, Marilyn. Uh, the trials will harden us if we have to do an end round in the, uh, of the desert and the valleys where God's calling us to walk, but it'll soften us if we choose, that, uh, Emerson, if we choose, we have a choice to take suffering by the hand and walk by faith into the damage of our past, the struggles of our present, and the fears of the future. And then I'm going to skip this now, but he talks about four ways that people avoid pain and miss out on the benefit of growing closer to him. And they're listed on your, your thing that maybe if we have time, some other time I can go back to that. But basically those four methods all seek to avoid pain, to not look it in the eye, avoid the hard work required in biblical suffering. And, you know, goes on to say, if we're closed to the suffering, if we're stuffing it, we'll be closed to true healing. So if we stuff it and push it off, we ain't going to get healed. We're not going to become more Christ-like. No joy. We'll be shutting down our emotions. And this, is, this, is, this, this will stick with you. If we see our trials as nothing more than an event to be resolved, we've got this thing, I've got to get through this, I've got to move on. We're missing an enormous opportunity, as we've said before, an event to be resolved. You know, one thing that I don't know about you all, but, you know, I'm always trying to like, what, where's my sin? What am I missing here? And so forth. I think in suffering, what are we, what do you want me to learn, Lord? What are you, 
what is happening? I hate this. What do you want me to learn? And, and I think that's a, that's a very good uh, question that we should always be asking. So God has purposes in our suffering. We touched on some of them, but uh, we've established his character never changes. It's independent. And, you know, make a note of this, uh, James 1.17. We're not going to read it now, but, you know, every good and perfect gift is from above. You know that one by heart. That's so important to remind ourselves of. Uh, let's see. There's nothing in this word, world that is truly good that is not from God. His unchanging character means he's always good, always desiring his best for us. Suffering changes our hearts for the better, sometimes for the worse. It just depends how we, how we go about it. And then I was going to go into um, Ephesians 1, 11, and 12, which, which was really, you know, tied in with Paul and what he was going through. Um, just, I, I, we can't do that now because we've gotten a little bit behind. But uh, what I want you to know also is 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 10. Let's, we, let's read that one. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 to 10. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we've experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now listen to this. But that was to make us, this is the key, rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Can that be a theme for us in this class? Rely not on ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's right there in Scripture. So it says, They trust God's sovereignty as a means for comfort and assurance. They were confident in God's good and perfect plans, even though they were getting crushed. And a uh, quote from Pastor Rich, It's a mystery how God's sovereignty and human responsibility work together in this world. No one can fully understand, but we have his promises to help us trust him. David Gibson, in his book, Radically Whole, said this, Do we want to be whole? Do we long to love God with our hearts more than anything else in the world? If we don't, we will not endure trials well when they come. Trials test us, probe us, examine us. They genuinely challenge us to the core. So we should expect trials, and we know they're going to be hard. And... With several of you shared the obedience, the understanding, his character. Remember today, we, we're, it's all what do we believe about him. Actually, in, in my study notes in Ephesians, it's, they, they said that Paul's courage was questioned and his detractors argued that he had suffered too much to be a true spirit-filled apostle. That sounds like prosperity. They could not have been more wrong as Paul's sufferings embody the cross of Christ while his endurance amidst great adversity with thanksgiving made clear the resurrection power of the Spirit. In fact, God used Paul's sufferings to reveal God's glory, a powerful display of God's presence, power, and glory in the fallen world around Paul. Somebody read... Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, when we think about who God is and why sometimes it's difficult for us to process what's happening. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Thank you. Maybe that's a good place to, to stop. Um, you have new handouts that you had for, the, and they're posted. You've got those for during the week. Please read them if you can. There's no sermon or anything like that. Um, I wanted to, one last thing before we leave. Do any of you have the book Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy? So some of you, you raise your hand. Just keep it up because you don't need one. Okay. So... 
we'll get you this this book is going to talk all about lament and lament is going to be the next three the last three weeks i'm sorry david mark vrogop you you have it you 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 have it yeah um and uh I don't have time for announcements. Maybe just real quick. Somebody get ready to close us in prayer. Somebody want to close us? Scotty, bring us home. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this, for this day, for this time that we have together to be able to open your word and for Jimmy and his preparation. But, uh, we especially thank you for how it tells us how us, how we can suffer and suffer well. Uh, Lord, we, um, we just pray that you open our hearts and minds as we go into worship and just to be able to uh, learn more about you and be able to apply it to our lives and be able to reach those who are lost. We just praise you and thank you.